Here we are, Ian. Episode 99. After this, it's all three-digit numbers and counting. What? Yeah, there's no going back. There really isn't. Nope. At this stage. So all, all I can see on the horizon is three digits. Cool. So now we have the time for, for consideration, for reflection. You know, what have we done? What have we actually brought to the tabletop gaming space in the three years? Four years that we've been around? I really should know. Four years. Four years. How, what have we brought to the tabletop space in the four years that we've been around? I mean, apart from me calling Wingspan a cultural juggernaut, I can't think of anything I've done. I mean, you... Uncompromising news articles? Maybe, yeah, possibly. You and your uh, Arkham uh, horror card game intro, that's, that's a big thing, or oh, that's more the giant brain, which is great, but not brainwaves. So I think the only thing so far is calling Wingspan a cultural juggernaut. Indeed, there was the triangular board. As oh, standard triangular board, of course. Which the folks at Lucky Sparrow Game Cafe were nice enough to draw a picture of, and at some point I lost it in my digital move-arounds. I've, I've got it. I've got it. T-shirt. You've got it. I've got it. I need it. I want to put it on a T-shirt. <laughs> well, I'll send it to you after we've done this. And on that bombshell, I'm Jamie Adams. And I'm Ian McAllister. This is Brainwaves episode 99, bringing you the best in tabletop gaming news. These are the headlines for the week of the 30th of May, 2022. A spiel of the spiel. The gig economy comes to Dungeons and & Dragons. And drive through RPG drives out. All this and more on this episode of Brainwaves. Well, possibly the most well-known award ceremony in the tabletop sphere, the Spiele des Jahres, long list and nominees for 2022, were announced this week for the three prizes. The Spiele des Jahres, which is the family game, the children's prize, the Kinderspiel, and the more complex game prize, the Kennerspiel. Now, I've also seen the Kennerspiel called Connoisseur's Game. I don't like that definition, hence why I went for more complex. Sometimes connoisseur, sometimes hobby game, but... It's Connoisseur the, sounds a little bit hoity-toity. It's incredibly hoity-toity. So the nominees for the Spieler are Cascadia by Randy Flynn from Cosmos, Scout by Kay Cagino from Oink Games, and Top 10 by Aurelien Picolet from Cocktail Games. The Kinderspiel nominees are Auch Schön Clever by Wolfgang Varsch from Schmidt, Quacks and Co. by Wolfgang Varsch from Schmidt, and Zauberberg by, that's right, Jens-Peter Schliemann and Bernhard Weber from Amigo. The Kennerspiel nominations are Cryptid by Hal Duncan and Ruth Beavers from Osprey Games, Dune Imperium by Paul Denon from Direwolf, and Living Forest by Aska Christensen from Pegasus Spiel. Well done to all those nominees, by the way. Notable games from the various long lists include Seven Wonders Architects, which has been gathering... Well, a lot of critical praise from many angles. However, sadly not from this podcast, Ian and I found it very, I think ephemeral is probably the the way I would describe it. That seems fair. Yep. Another one was Ark Nova, the game that is, I mean, it's sending a heck of a buzz through parts of the community. Like like a swarm of... A cultural juggernaut, for instance, Jamie. Well, I don't know. I don't know (laughs) if I'd call it a cultural juggernaut because cultural juggernaut wingspan did win the Spiele des Jahres. That's true. And, and Ark Nova hasn't even been nominated. But it was on the long list, so at least it is worthy of a great deal of recognition, which is, you know, still, big plaudits. I think possibly, I've only played most of a game once, and I think I found it 
a bit too complex for the spieler. That's the vibe I've gone from a couple of people I've spoken to is that games like Ark Nova are too complex for the spieler or Yaris to consider. But then again, you've got Dune Imperium as one of the three nominees, so... Yeah. Well regarded, but I believe a little bit more straightforward than Ark Nova. Not Fair played enough. either, so Fair I can't enough. judge. Fair enough. The Kinderspiel is usually announced about a fortnight or so earlier than the other two, so watch this space, because, I mean, it's this podcast and it's me, so I'm definitely going to cover it. Uh, awards should be probably late June or so. Now, true to form, I can't speak for Ian, I have played exactly none of the nominees. Uh, although, uh, yeah, I am in the same boat as Jamie. I have played none of those games, uh, with the with the exception of obviously the the long lists, uh, Ark Nova and Seven Wonders Architects. Yes, I've played Seven Wonders Architect. I haven't looked at the rest of the long lists like Jamie has, so I can't speak to those. Um, also, Quax and Co will be available at UK Games Expo to play. Quite possibly, and if you're listening to not, this, uh, UK Games UK Expo yet. is next week. So, what was I going to say? Yes, Cryptid which is on the list. Uh, it was released in 2018 in English. So people are going, well, why is it in the Spieler, uh, Kenner Spiel nominations for 2022? Well, it was released in German last year, hence its inclusion. And I think it's important to remember that we live in a very, well, board games and tabletop games are themselves a very luxury hobby. But this is a great example of, we live in a very privileged position uh, in the English-speaking world, in the Occident most of the Occident, um, and we have that access to games. And sometimes it takes a very long time for games to to arrive. Um, one thing that springs to mind is, I'm afraid, I cannot remember the name of the game itself, but it was a Spanish, or it is a Spanish game, and it's about witchcraft and magic in medieval Spain, medieval Iberian Peninsula. And that was not available in English for about 20 or 30 years. No, so an RPG, I think you're talking. It about. is. Sorry, yes. Yeah. Sorry, did I did I not say that? Maybe I, I, I forgot. I can't forget what happened. I can't forget. I can't remember what happened a couple of minutes ago. I promise, I'm all right, folks. I promise. Um. Anyway, well done, well done to all the nominees. Um. We'll report on the winners when those come in. Special congratulations to Hal Duncan, who's a friend of the show and a regular contributor to our Discord. He's a very nice chap. And obviously, that doesn't that's not going to influence our opinions on any of the nominees in any way. Cause But if you want to bung us a few bucks, then it might. We're unscrupulous like that. Pardon? <laughs> what? You don't what? get paid. <laughs> I don't get paid. What are you kidding? I get paid in exposure. One way to get paid, Jamie, it's is the obviously the investment in the app economy. And it seems like there are apps to rent everything these days, from borrowing a dog to hailing an Uber. The app economy has boomed in the last decade. We've covered many times recently how technology has been changing the face of the tabletop hobby. And now it seems a new startup is looking to change the way you can get a games master for your tabletop role-playing game. You can hire one. Founded in September 2020, Start Playing... That's S-T-A-R-T-P-L-A-Y-I-N-G, all one word, has had over 100,000 games hosted by the 1,000 strong stable of professional games masters that have earned them a collective total of $2.5 million. That's the games masters, not the company. The online platform allows players to choose the sort of game they want to play, from one-shots to long-term campaigns, though the focus on the type of game seems to be amongst the Dungeons & Dragons and equivalent role-playing systems. The company has recently raised $6.5 million in a new funding round. 
Nate Tucker, CEO of Startplane, said the funds will go towards doubling the size of the team, industry networking, hiring top talent, and scaling up their marketing reach. One of the new investors, Jonathan Lai, said in a blog post, More than 40 million people play Dungeons & Dragons around the world, and sales have grown by double-digit percentages for the last five consecutive years. No longer a fringe hobby, D&D features prominently in mainstream and celebrity culture. Spurred almost exclusively, I would assume, by Stranger Things and Critical Role. And the myriad and the myriad of other things that have spawned off Critical Role. Like, for example, Red Nose Day. Vox Machina. Red Nose Day, where they've had uh, various celebrities in Britain and the UK playing role-playing games, or Dungeons & Dragons. And the amount of money raised changing how the game will affect the players. Yeah, absolutely. It's hard to quantify the impact the critical role has had on the success of 5th edition Dungeons and & Dragons. And of course, the, it's inclu- uh, Dungeons & Dragons inclusions in the, well, the oft-to-use term on this cast, the cultural juggernaut that is Stranger Things. It's about to hit its fourth season. And I believe there is some Dungeons & Dragons being pushed into that series once again in that fourth season. So yeah, we're bound to see a bit of a bit more interest in that game. They even had a Stranger Things sort of introductory role-playing game tie-in with Dungeons & Dragons. So yeah, it, it's hard to underestimate that impact on the hobby. It, it's fascinating to see Dungeons & Dragons attracting this kind of investment, the sort of investment that is usually reserved for tech startups for like Silicon Valley kind of entrepreneurs. It's really, really interesting to see the hobby start to attract investment from outside. Well, you know, if you build it, they will come. Anyway, Jamie, sticking with the world of role-playing games for a moment. News from the world of all things PDF. That's right. It's drive-through RPG. They delivered not one, but two pieces of news this time. Now, on the 20th of May, drive-thru RPG went down for a few hours, and the next day, the cause was found to be a security breach. In a brief post on Medium, the company said, We've completed our investigation into the security incident last Friday, May 20th, 2022. Our team has confirmed that no private data was compromised. We have identified the method used to modify price points in the database and released a fix to prevent it. All sites and all pages have returned to normal operations. We apologise for the impact on customers, publishers and creators. Later this week we will analyse any titles that were ordered at incorrect prices and make restitution to publishers and creators whose titles were affected. Now we'd like to encourage all our listeners who use DriveThruRPG and indeed use any internet sites to regularly update your passwords and be cautious about using the same password across multiple sites. Not looking at anyone in particular, Jamie. But wait. I'm I'm probably the same. I said, Ian, I said, wait, Ian, for goodness sake. But wait, there's more. DriveThruRPG recently suspended designer Dave Johnson from the site. Dave Johnson works for TSR. Not that one. Nope, not that one. The new TSR, the one that we have covered multiple times on this podcast and their legal battles with Wizards of the Coast and their attitudes towards traditional role-playing values, let's say. (laughs) Dave Johnson is the author of Star Frontiers. No, not that one, not the original one. The one that's at the centre of the legal dispute with Wizards of the Coast. Confusing, isn't it? Dave Johnson has been linked to a Twitter account called Dave Films US. 
that brims with racist, transphobic, homophobic, and Nazi content and imagery. Ian has looked into this. He, he's not enjoyed it. And he didn't do it willingly. We'll provide a link to some of the evidence compiled, but trust Ian, please don't look, because it's just, it's just appalling. It's one of the, it's, it's one of the dark holes of the internet. And I know there are a lot of dark holes. It really is, folks. I urge you, we will provide that link, like Jamie says. I have looked at under the sort of like auspices of like doing this story correctly and being a journalist. I urge you not to, because it really, it's basically all those things that Jamie mentioned in meme form. And it's, it's really quite sickening. It's not good. But it's good to hear the drive through RPG acted so quickly. This investigation was done. They looked into it. They suspended them straight away. And it's yet another nail in the coffin of new TSR, who have been generally quite horrible throughout this whole thing. Yeah, I was about to say, oh, but the good side of them is that they've given us lots of news. But that's not a good side, because... It's not good news. It's, yeah, it's not good news at all. No. But they have acted quickly, which is great to see. And yeah, hopefully they will continue that kind of policy in the future. And remember, folks, it's not enough to be just non-fascist. You have to be anti-fascist. Actively anti-fascist. Actively anti-fascist. As Woody Guthrie said all those years ago, all you fascists bound to lose. And now, on with the rest of the news. We've got a few, quite a few updates from previous casts. In terms of COVID policies, Gen Con and Origins have both announced their mass policies for their upcoming conventions. Gen Con is taking place from the Thursday the 4th of August to Sunday the 7th of August. They are going to require proof of vaccination and masks within the convention. Origins is taking place from the 8th to the 12th of June. They will be asking for masks to be worn as well. This is a reversal of their previous stance on the matter, but has been met with quite a lot of congratulations across the board game community. And UK Games Expo just doesn't have policy, best we can tell. I've been on the site, I've gone and looked. All you need to do, folks, is say what's happening. You've come under a lot of controversy recently for not saying anything. And all you need to do is say, we don't have one, we do have one, here's what it is. It's not that difficult. You're quite a big organisation. Pull the finger out. I'd like to just uh, clarify Mr. McAllister's comments in at time of recording, UK Games Expo does not have a COVID policy. That's fair enough. We are recording on the 27th of May. Yes, just to clarify, at time of recording. At the time of recording. Fair enough. Now, episode 96 had us covering the recent publishing of the Dark Souls RPG from Steamforged Games. And, well, the issues surrounding it. References to classes in the Dark Souls book that didn't come up in the Dark Souls book, the knight character being unable to wear the armour that uh, that it started with, things like that. Now, Steamforged quickly issued an apology and recently posted an update on their website about fixing things. We will be releasing the updated PDF at the end of June and immediately sending it to everyone that pre-ordered the book through our website. And that and the physical copies will be published in October. Now, if you already bought a copy... There is a form for replacement on the website. So if you bought it, check that out. Glad to see there, you know, 
getting it done very quickly, but I guess it's such a high profile thing that if you didn't get it done quickly, oh boy, that will sink you fast. As reported on previously in episode 94, the Nebula Awards, the prestigious sci-fi and fantasy awards, included a Best Game Writing Award with four tabletop RPGs in the running. Well, the award has been scooped up by one of those RPGs, Thirsty Sword Lesbians by April Kit Walsh, Whitney Delagio, Dominic Dickey, Joania Kempar, Alexis Sara and Ray Najadi, and published by Evil Hat Publications has won that award. The game now joins other winners, including Black Mirror Bandersnatch, which is a very interesting interactive sort of TV episode on Netflix I urge you to try out, and Supergiant Games Hades, which is a a roguelike that is close to my heart, one of my favourite games of the last few years. Ian, I know I wrote wrote this, but did you put in a sign here saying five minutes for Ian to gush about Hades? Because I didn't. Well, well, so Hades is this fantastic roguelike from Supergiant Games who are an amazing computer Over company. the last so, few years, we have seen a lot of companies merge, mostly, but not always, into the umbrella of Asmodee. One of those mergers was Dice Hate Me Studios, which merged into Greater Than Games in 2015. That was seven years ago. I was starting uni seven years ago. Oh, don't. You're making me feel old. I must have. I am old, but that's fine. I think I probably met you. Well, maybe I met you seven years ago. It might have been six. I don't know. Six or seven years ago we met. This podcast was merely a twinkle in my eye at that point. <laughs> that's. Oh, I don't want to think about that. Greater Than Games was acquired by the Flat River Group last year, as we reported in episode 88. And now it seems that Dice Hate Me have parted ways amicably with its parent company. They will still be using Flat River Group for distribution and retain the rights to a lot of their in-print and out-of-print games, with only three titles remaining with Greater Than Games. Compounded, Bottom of the Ninth, and Legends of Sleepy Hollow. I think i still got a Dice Hate Me. Yeah, I do. I can see it. It's Brewcrafters, a game that I bought in 2016 after searching for many years. I've played it maybe three times, and I've not touched it since. But I really get my review of Homebrewers done. But I really want to play it because I really enjoy it. And the people that I've played it with said, oh, it's like Agricola, but beer. Never played Agricola, but uh, I want to play it because I like the theme and I like the game. I mean, that was one of the ones for years that I saw the Dice Tower review of it and went, that sounds great. Yeah, it, as we've said before, there's always mergers and acquisitions in the board gaming industry. And especially as the gaming industry grows, we're going to see a lot more of this kind of thing happen. Don't think it's anything to be worried about. It's just companies coming and going, and well, hopefully, well, we wish all the best to the new studio. You guys hate me, and uh, let's see what they come up with in the few next few years. Last cast, we covered the accessibility studio being opened up by Asmodee and its research division. Well, now it's the turn of Ravensburger, the famous German games company. In a post on Instagram, though we haven't been able to find it anywhere else as yet. Ravensburger declared their admiration for a company called Bellen Integrationspieler. This was set up by husband and wife team Volker and Erika Lendekel. Erika is blind, and they wanted a way to play games with their kids when they asked. For the last 25 years, Bellen has been adapting Ravensburger games with custom components such as magnets so components don't slip, and transparent reliefs onto pieces that can be used to imprint reliefs to distinguish one piece from another, similar to the system you might find in Braille. Ravensburger ends the post by saying, We are very grateful and happy to be part of Bell and Integration Spieler. 
it's great to see another big company making a step like this, and we hope that for too long, considerations for a wide variety of disabilities are the norm in tabletop games publication. We've seen a massive shift in the last few years to consider more basic things like color blindness and that kind of disability into games, and it'd be fantastic to see a bigger consideration for people with all sorts of disabilities into the tabletop hobby, because it's a very, very accessible hobby as long as we consider people with some disabilities. I will stick by my guns. Well, no, this isn't a thing I'll stick by my guns with. This is great. I'll stick by my guns and say the tabletop hobby is a lot less accessible than it thinks it is. Yes, stuff is being done, but not quickly enough. Yep, that's completely fair. And it's it's interesting to see a company like this highlighting the changes that they want to bring to the hobby. We'd like to take a moment now to give a shout out to our patrons. We really appreciate all the support they give to the cast, especially our executive producers, James Naylor and Sean Newman. James Naylor is the mind behind Magnate and some other upcoming games. And Sean Newman is from the Game A Lot team. We'll link to all of James and Sean's bits and pieces in the show notes. You can find numerous ways to support us on the support us part of the website. There's You can get fantastic metal dice from Metallic Dice Games. There's shirts from Sir Meeple various ways to support the cast and it really helps us out it helps us fund the cast fund upgrades to the site like i've done recently and keep the podcast going without me having to shell out cash which i really really appreciate especially in these difficult times jamie pass me the cake no my cake actually it's not right now right now it's not cake it's um, cake right now it's not cake it's rice and beans ian um, I do have some Swiss roll in the fridge, actually. Oh, I'll have that afterwards. Mm, Swiss roll. Semi-Swiss roll. Mm. Steamed hams. <laughs> what? I-, I want your Swiss roll. Send no, you're not taking my Swiss roll. The Great British Bake Off, or the Great British Baking Show, if you're in North America, is... I mean, I've got a cultural phenomenon here, but I will call it what it is, a cultural juggernaut over the past decade or so. That really is what... We just do it just because I say it all the time. I'm going to get a t-shirt with that on it. I mean, that's cool. Uh, I'm a cultural juggernaut. I'm not a cultural ju- Stop it. <laughs> I'm a cultural juggernaut. Anyway, the innuendo... Uh, huh. And now cultural the... Cultural juggernaut with the not being a zero at the end? Yep. <laughs> uh, that's exactly what I am. The innuendo-laden culinary competition comes to a gaming table near you. With recipe art by Tom Hovey, that's the guy who illustrates all the cakes on Great British Bake Off, who, by the way, doesn't like cakes. The Great British Baking Show game will have players completing recipes all in the hopes of gaining Hollywood handshakes whilst avoiding soggy bottoms. Now, the description... is very salubrious. Have you seen the Great British Bake I have, but Hollywood handshakes and soggy bottoms. Yes. Ian, get with the times, man. The descriptions talk about grabbing cards and tiles, so maybe there's going to be a dexterity element of of grabbing ingredients, Uh, but we'll see. Um, The game takes about 20 minutes, apparently, instead of the show's one-hour runtime, which is obviously, like, two days' worth of recording squidged down. But uh, it's also by Ravensburger, so we'll see what they do. This is all well and good, but where's my my Monopoly news? I send you out in the world, Jamie, to get me Monopoly news. And I think you'll find Ian... That's what I pay you for. I think you'll find Ian... Sir, 
recently that we've been taking a break from Monopoly news, unless it's worth it. I mean, I did have the Cotswolds Monopoly, not the shop, the actual Cotswolds. Didn't think it was good enough. But then, oh, oh, something delivered, Ian. I tell you, it's absolutely beautiful. But first, a little bit of background. Stranger Things, which we talked about earlier in the podcast, you know, that nostalgia show. It's about to release its fourth series very soon, with production being kept tightly under wraps, with stringent attempts to keep nuggets of plot from leaking out. The 2022 refresh of Stranger Things Monopoly has several cards in it, the equivalent of Community Chest and Chance cards, which are walkie-talkie and blinking lights. The cards reference major plot elements in the upcoming series. Now, this game has been freely available at shops in the US for a wee while now. And this is according to the Reddit thread where the leaks were posted. And it was described as a nationally recognised retailer and purchased fair and square by a consumer. Nobody stole it. Nobody leaked a sample. And as you can expect, some people went a little bit librarian poo. Story goes, the Duffer brothers, the pair who created the show and exec producers, had a, quote, total meltdown upon hearing the news. The producers usually have a hand in approving merchandise in the upcoming series. Didn't seem to have a hand in this. Now, a source told The Hollywood Reporter, lessons have been learned, and, I expect, there will be more cohesion going into season five. Don't worry, we have not, I don't know about Ian, I've not looked at the spoilers, so... You're not going to hear it from me. No, we, we, we're we linking to an article that we got this from, but we're not. the article does not link to the spoilers themselves. You would have to go digging if you want them. I personally prefer not to. Anyway, thank you very much for listening, folks. Uh, this is episode 99. Episode 100 is going to be a live show that we're going to have on the Discord itself. You can come and listen to us doing the news live. We're going to be taking comments from the audience live if you want to be involved in that as well and we're going to have a Q&A with a special guest interviewer afterwards where someone is going to be interviewing the team both past and present on the nature of brainwaves and like whatever they really want to ask us we are going to be giving them free reign to ask any questions they want. The live show will be on the 10th of June at 8pm UK time in our discord. We'll put a link to our discord in the show notes so you can come along and take part in that. You can ask questions of us. You can comment on bits of the show. You can do any... Well, we're going, well we really want to get the audience involved. It's our 100th episode. It's a massive milestone for the cast. And we'd like to thank everyone for their support and help over the years in the meantime. Uh, as usual, if you like what you listen to, the best way to help us out is to share the podcast and drop us a review and rating on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, but if you really want to interact with the team and all our lovely community, the best way is our Discord. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. Our website is thegiantbrain.co.uk, and you can email us about anything in the show, or if you've got a question for the 100th episode that you would like read out, then please do email us in or post it on the Discord or get in touch on Twitter. Our email is giantbrainuk at gmail.com. We look forward to seeing you for episode 100. Thanks very much. Bye for now. Bye. It's mad. It's almost 100.